Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Krisloff. I'm editor of the with Eric Makaya, who's our lead author. We sent out a new issue of the newsletter yesterday, and what we covered last week was mostly the Federal Reserve and the macro section. Obviously, as most of our listeners probably know, the Fed met last week. They raised interest rates by 75 basis points and they signaled that further increases were coming. So I think everybody was waiting to see if the Fed was going to slow the pace of increases, and Jerome Powell said that they would, but that wasn't the important thing to be following. It's how high are rates going to go, and how long are they going to stay there? So Jerome Powell remained pretty hawkish in this press conference, and so I think the Fed, by extension, stays hawkish, and should be a bit of a surprise for markets, given the way that they were trading over the last couple of weeks. Eric, any thoughts? Actually, it's more of a question to you because it's a comment you highlighted that one of the distinct parts of the Fed, Fed statement, I think last week was about the, the question of when to moderate the pace of increases is now much less important than the question of how high to raise rates and how long to keep monetary policy restricted. Does that give the feel like they are prepared to go a little bit higher than people expected? So I think like don't talk about uh, moderation for now. We are going higher for the next couple of uh, meetings that you're going to be having. It, that, did you get that feeling from the press press conference and press release? Yeah, I think they were pretty explicit in that, actually, that they talked about that the data that's come in most recently, if it says anything to them, it says that they need to raise rates even higher than what they were thinking before. And so I think the key question for capital markets and investors is, what is the base rate of inflation right now in the economy? What do you think that is? Is that 5%, 6%? Is it 4%? And then the Fed is signaling that they think that they need positive real rates, which makes sense. That is probably what you need to do in order to have a restrictive stance. So if we're at 4% right now and 5 or 6% inflation, then there's still another couple hundred basis points that interest rates probably need to rise. And if, if short-term interest rates need to rise by a couple hundred basis points, longer-term interest rates, at least even if the curve is flat, would also potentially have to rise a couple hundred basis points. And then what type of equity multiple do you associate with 7% cost of capital or 9% cost of capital? This is not something that equity markets are priced for at all still. And so will they price that? If the Fed stays at this level for longer and maintains this for a long period of time, it's going to be hard for equity markets not to price this in. So, so the Fed is going higher until the inflation falls to a rate where the, re the, the real rates are positive. So that means it may take a while because like from our earnings call reading this past week is a company is saying that, hey, inflation is still persistently high. I don't think I haven't read any many companies that say, OK, the commodity prices, which have come down a bit, are flowing through to a bottom line or in terms of the prices that you're charging. If anything, I see a lot of companies saying, hey, uh, we are actually raising prices. We've notified our consumers that you're going to be raising prices in the next couple of months to protect our margins. Uh, so it has a feel like uh, the inflation, even if it comes down from 8%, it won't be like to 2%. It will still be around like 6% or 5% there. So then that means rates need to be somewhere slightly above that. And if you read anything from the, from the press last week on the Fed is that, hey, we intend to go as high as possible to bring this inflation down. So it feels like they don't care about the markets. They don't care really much about a recession. I think all they want to do is bring down that inflation. And I think could be that Powell doesn't want to go down as one of the guys who's failed to bring down inflation by stepping up the rate of increases of, of rates. Do you get the same feeling? Yeah. Yeah. I think that those are good points there. 
move past the Fed though, and because there was a lot of other good stuff in the newsletter this week. One, a couple of things in the international section. I want to get your thoughts on what's going on in Europe right now. How does it feel right now just being on the ground in terms of the economy? Are you seeing the same dynamics that we're seeing in the US in terms of maybe weak consumer sentiment or concerns about recession, but then consumers are still spending? Or are you seeing that the economy is starting to slow? So the feeling I get, I mean, from my readings around the economy is that the real estate market has been heavily hit. A lot of companies are actually trading at multi-year lows, especially any companies with exposure to real estate, and especially because Scandinavians are very, one of their greatest holdings is actually real, uh, real estate and houses. I think something very similar to the US. Spending has not calmed down. A lot of people are still spending highly, going for holidays, still uh, prices of goods are higher. Uh, energy is a real worry around Europe. I think from most of the people I talk to here, very worried about energy prices this winter. The consumer sentiment is pretty weak, but people are still spending. I don't know how to reconcile those two. People are worried, but at the same time, they're not slowing down spending or slowing down their what they're doing. I think people are going about their normal lives. There's a little bit of worry maybe about, hey, may, maybe I lose a job or something. But a couple of countries in Europe have a very good like social system that will take care of people who get laid off. I don't know. It's such a it's such a weird mix of a lot of factors, a cross current of factors, I would say. What's the state in the US on the ground, like from what you feel? Yeah, and I think what we're picking up in the transcript is mostly the way that it is in the US. We think we're picking up a pretty faithful read of what's going on in the US. But it's hard for me to see what's going on in Europe just based on the coverage that we have. So that's helpful to see. I think one other thing I wanted to point out in the international section was the the stuff about Mexico in terms of nearshoring. I think this is a potential catalyst for investors to be looking at. We've picked up a lot over the last couple of years, people rethinking their supply chains after COVID. And this was the first quote that I think we really picked up that talked about Mexico being a major beneficiary of nearshoring. And that makes a lot of sense to me that capital could flow to Mexico in terms of new industrial facilities or things that you would want to be producing in, in slightly lower cost labor markets. So that stood out to me. I don't know if there are other investment opportunities to directly benefit from that, but something maybe, to think about. Maybe I'll add something to the. I've been chatting a little bit with friends in China about the situation there. Someone who comes from China and someone else who's based there and does business there. So I think the situation in China around COVID is also quite a bit of a worry. I think Apple came out yes uh, this weekend uh, saying that uh, one of their factories actually shut down and the supply for iPhones is also going to be challenged going forward. So I think that also plays into the same issue of Mexico. A lot of companies are going to be moving away from China in terms of production, or at least setting up second base or places where they can actually manufacture. I don't know if they're able to get the same low cost that China has been offering, but it's good to maybe check out some markets that may be benefiting from this onshoring or at least reshoring of businesses that is going on around the world. Yes, that stood out for you this week. One other, just one last area that I wanted to highlight for people was on the ad spend, both Roku and Cardlytics talking about customer ad spend declining going into the fourth quarter. And that this is really interesting and surprising and pretty negative considering that the fourth quarter is usually when companies are stepping up ad spend in order to hit holiday spending from the consumer, especially on a platform form like Roku. And to see companies tightening their ad spending budgets at a time like this is something that is pretty concerning and something that could foreshadow weaker consumer spending. And it may even just be a causal relationship between companies not having a strong revenue growth if they're not spending on advertising and customer acquisition during the holidays. So 
this is something that is one of the more negative data points, I think, that we've seen recently. Yeah, I was trying to think about maybe there on the other side, there could be companies that are having such heavy negative sentiment around this time. But if you hold on a bit for a while, there could be change in terms of if the recession everybody is expecting doesn't materialize. And then, of course, advertising being a cyclical industry and all, are there companies that could actually benefit from the next tailwind in terms of growth post the recession and which have strong fundamentals to maybe withstand this tough period that is ahead in terms of ad spend this quarter and maybe in the next quarter that is coming up? Uh, maybe that's a food for thought I've been having. Anything else that may have stood out for you again? Oh, before we close, I think you need to maybe welcome all the many new listeners that we had this week, especially given your appearance last week with Josh Brown and Michael Batnick. Really nice talk also. I think it's good to welcome new listeners. Anything you'd want to tell them this week? No, just thank you to all. We've seen a lot of people join our community and subscribe to our newsletter in the last week, last five days, even really since the compound aired. And so we're really grateful to have people here and excited to welcome you to the transcripts. Yeah, we do this every Monday. We send out our newsletter every Monday and every Tuesday we have a recording of a podcast discussing some of the things that we learned. And we also have some occasionally Twitter spaces now. And we also have guests once in a while to discuss like topical issues on something they've learned from earnings calls. So we are your experts on earnings calls, Scott and I, and we're really happy to have you on board. So see you again next week and thank you for joining us once again. Bye.